What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. A lot of myths and religions feature stories about a time when the supernatural walked among men and interacted with them in very concrete ways. In my last two episodes, Gilgamesh, an ancient king in what is today Iraq, went on a series of adventures that directly involved gods and demons. Egyptian, Greece, Celtic, Norse, Native American, virtually all of these religions or mythologies have stories about the world the way it was before. Christianity and Judaism are no exception. The very first book in canon, Genesis, tells of a time when God walked with Adam in the Garden of Eden. After Adam and Eve ate the apple and were cast out of Eden, and after their son Cain killed his brother Abel, Genesis chapter 6 states, When people began to multiply on the face of the ground, and daughters were born to them, the sons of God saw that they were fair, and they took wives for themselves of all that they chose. Then the Lord said, My spirit shall not abide in mortals forever, for they are flesh, Their days shall be one hundred and twenty years. The Nephilim were on the earth in those days, and also afterward, when the sons of God went into the daughters of humans, who bore children to them. These were the heroes that were of old, warriors of renown. Those four verses invite a lot of speculation, even among scholars, as to who exactly the sons of God were, and who or what exactly the Nephilim were. One of the most accepted definitions of sons of God is actually angels, or in this case, fallen angels. This is justified by the use of the phrase in the book of Job, where it quite plainly places the phrase in the context of angels on team Satan. Job chapter 1 verse 6. Now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came among them. And again in Job chapter 2 and chapter 38. Beyond that, Genesis tells us that the offspring of these sons of God and the daughters of men were the Nephilim, the heroes and warriors of old. But that's all we get on that subject. The next part of Genesis is the story of Noah and the flood. Genesis chapter 6, verses 5 through 8. The Lord saw that the wickedness of humankind was great in the earth, and that every inclination of the thoughts of their hearts was only evil continually. And the Lord was sorry that he had made humankind on the earth, and it grieved him to his heart. So the Lord said, I will blot out from the earth the human beings I have created, people together with animals and creeping things and birds of the air, for I am sorry that I have made them. But Noah found favor in the sight of the Lord. So who or what exactly is meant by the word Nephilim, and the phrase heroes and warriors of old? It's a little bit mysterious. Many translators were and still are unsure what to make of the word, so they leave it in place, undefined and unchanged. In the King James Bible, Nephilim was translated as giants, but today 
we think it may actually be closer to something like Fallen Away or Fallen Ones. So maybe the Nephilim weren't the heroes and legends, but in fact another distinct group of beings that were said to be here, in addition to the offspring of the angels and humans. Many people have wondered about that for a long time. What were the specifics of how humanity became so corrupt that God would consider ending his entire creation? And who were these supernatural heroes of old? And why were they considered heroes? So here's where we'll start to get into the weird. When I think of superhuman heroes of antiquity, the first characters that pop into my mind are Hercules and Achilles. Hercules, the son of Zeus and a mortal woman, and Achilles, the son of an immortal goddess and a mortal man. Or perhaps even a character like Gilgamesh, who was two-thirds god. Hinduism and Chinese mythology are also full of these demigods. Really, our modern pantheon of comic book superheroes like Superman, Batman, Spider-Man, and Iron Man could be called a modern take in the same idea. Humans with supernatural abilities that can be used for good or evil. Sure, Iron Man and Batman don't have powers, quote-unquote, but I mean, come on, it's basically the same thing in function. Now, how about the Fallen Ones? In Greece, there are the Titans and the Giants. And in fact, giants are a common theme throughout many, many cultures, separated in both time and distance. In Norse mythology, you might mention a wolf like Fenrir, or the dragon Nidhogg, each of them also embodying a larger-than-life force of nature, or willpower, manifested in physical form. One of my favorite Native American creation stories mentions its own version of this, but simply refers to them as the Ancient Ones, a group of a gigantic, not-so-bright, malicious beings that prey on men. Well, as it turns out, there is a book that claims to tell the story of the biblical pre-flood world, the Book of Enoch, sometimes called First Enoch. So who was Enoch, and why is this book sometimes called First Enoch? Enoch was one of the pre-flood characters in the Book of Genesis, chapter 5, verse 18 through 24. When Jared had lived 162 years, he became the father of Enoch. Jared lived after the birth of Enoch 800 years, and had other sons and daughters. Thus all the days of Jared were 962 years, and he died. When Enoch had lived 65 years, he became the father of Methuselah. Enoch walked with God after the birth of Methuselah 300 years, and had other sons and daughters. Thus all the days of Enoch were 365 years. Enoch walked with God, then he was no more, because God took him. Enoch is believed to have been perfect, or about as perfect as an honest man can be, and as a result of his walking with God, he was taken into heaven without dying. There is really only one other major reference to Enoch in the Bible, in Jude chapter 1, verse 14 and 15. It was also about these that Enoch, in the seventh generation from Adam, prophesied, saying, See the Lord is coming with ten thousands of his holy ones, to execute judgment on all, and to convict everyone of all the deeds of ungodliness that they have committed in such an ungodly way, and of all the harsh things that ungodly sinners have spoken against him. This passage in Jude is particularly interesting, because it appears to be a quote from the early parts of the book of Enoch. So there are actually three separate works claiming to be written by Enoch. This episode is going to be focused on First Enoch, the one generally referred to when someone says the book of Enoch. The oldest and most accepted is First Enoch. Parts of it were contained in the Dead Sea Scrolls, and fragments have also been found in Greek. Generally, they are considered to be at least a few hundred years B.C. in origin. The other two books are more recent, 
not appearing until well after Christianity was established. And they have some pretty dramatic departures from First Enoch in the ways that they were written. And, of course, they're separated by hundreds of years. So why aren't any of these books in the standard Jewish or Christian Bibles? I'll come back to that at the end, and I'm not going to narrate the entire Book of Enoch in this episode, just the relevant parts to this pre-flood world that we talked about earlier. Check out WaitingInPodcast.com for some references to the complete book. Now let's get into the story. It happened after the sons of men had multiplied in those days, that daughters were born to them, elegant and beautiful. And when the angels, the sons of heaven, beheld them, they became enamored of them, saying to each other, Come, let us select for ourselves wives from the progeny of men, and let us beget children. Then their leader, Samyaza, said to them, I fear that you may perhaps be indisposed to the performance of this enterprise, and that I alone shall suffer for so grievous a crime. But they answered him and said, We all swear, and bind ourselves by mutual execrations, that we will not change our intention, but execute our projected undertaking. Then they swore altogether, and all bound themselves by mutual execrations. Their whole number was two hundred, who descended upon Ardis, which is the top of Mount Armon. That mountain, therefore, was called Armon, because they had sworn upon it, and bound themselves by mutual execrations. These are the names of their chiefs, Samyaza, who was their leader, Arakabaramiel, Akabiel, Tamiel, Ramuel, Danel, Azkiel, Sarakanyal, Asael, Armors, Batral, Anain, Zevabi, Samzaviel, Arteel, Turel, Yamiel, and Arazial. These were the prefects of the two hundred angels, and the remainder were all with them. Then they took wives, each choosing for himself, whom they began to approach, and with whom they cohabited teaching them sorcery, incantations, and the dividing of the roots of trees. And the women, conceiving, brought forth giants, whose stature was each three hundred cubits. These devoured all of which the labor of men produced, until it became impossible to feed them. When they turned themselves against men in order to devour them, and began to injure birds, beasts, reptiles, and fishes, to eat their flesh one after another and to drink their blood, then the earth reproved the unrighteous. Moreover, Azaziel taught men to make swords, knives, shields, and breastplates, the fabrication of mirrors, and the workmanship of bracelets and ornaments, the use of paint, the beautifying of the eyebrows, the use of stones of every valuable and select kind, and of all sorts of dyes, so that the world became altered. Impiety increased, fornication multiplied, and they transgressed and corrupted all their ways. Amazarak taught all the sorcerers and dividers of roots. Armors taught the solution of sorcery. Barkayal taught the observers of the stars, Akabiel taught signs, Tamiel taught astronomy, and Asardel taught the motion of the moon, and men, being destroyed, cried out, and their voice reached to heaven. So right there is a potential narrative version of the sons of God coming to earth and taking wives of the daughters of men. They do this against God, and because that they all swear to each other that if one of them suffers for it, they will all suffer for it. We get the names of the leaders and that there were 200 of them initially. These now fallen angels move in and introduce sorcery, warfare, and unknown sciences to humanity. Which is really a clear violation of the prime directive, says Spock. The offspring of these angels and humans is said to have been giants, who stood roughly 300 feet tall, the length of a football field. These giants overwhelmed the existing men and animals of the earth, 
Then the book continues. Then Michael and Gabriel, Raphael, Suriel, and Uriel, looked down from heaven, and saw the quantity of blood which was shed on the earth, and all the iniquity which was done upon it, and said one to another, It is the voice of their cries. The earth, deprived of her children, has cried even to the gate of heaven. And now to you, O ye holy ones of heaven, the souls of men complain, saying, Obtain justice for us with one the Most High. Then they said to their Lord, the King, Thou art Lord of lords, God of God, King of kings. The throne of the glory is forever and ever, and forever and ever is thy name sanctified and glorified. Thou art blessed and glorified. Thou hast made all things. Thou possessest power over all things, and all things are open and manifest before thee. Thou beholdest all things, and nothing can be concealed from thee. Thou hast seen what Azaziel has done, how he has taught every species of iniquity upon earth, and how he has disclosed to the world all the secret things which are done in the heavens. Samyaza has also taught sorcery, to whom thou hast given authority over those who are associated with him. They have gone together to the daughters of men, have lain with them, have become polluted, and have discovered crimes to them. The women likewise have brought forth giants. Thus has the whole earth been filled with blood and with iniquity. And now behold the souls of those who are dead cry out, and complain even to the gate of heaven. Their groaning ascends, nor can they escape from the unrighteousness which is committed on earth. Thou knowest all things before they exist. Thou knowest these things, and what has been done by them. Yet thou dost not speak. What on account of these things ought we to do to thee? So now we have the good angels reacting to what's going on on earth. They see all of this unfolding, and they know that it's wrong. But they're confused as to why God hasn't intervened yet. You should recognize at least two of these angels. Michael and Gabriel both make appearances in other books of the Bible. Gabriel, of course, is the angel that comes to Mary in the Gospels, and Michael is in a few books, notably Daniel and Revelations. Then the Most High, the Great and Holy One, spoke, and sent Arsalyer, sorry I butchered that, to the son of Lamech, saying, Say to him in my name, Conceal thyself, then explain to him the consummation which is about to take place, for all of the earth shall perish. The waters of a deluge shall come over the whole earth, and all things which are in it shall be destroyed. And now teach him how he may escape, and how his seed may remain on all of earth. Again the Lord said to Raphael, Bind Azaziel hand and foot, cast him into darkness, and opening the desert which is in Dudael, cast him there. Throw upon him hurled and pointed stones, covering him with darkness. There shall he remain forever. Cover his face that he may not see the light. And in the great day of judgment, let him be cast into the fire. Restore the earth which the angels have corrupted, and announce life to it, that I may revive it. All the sons of men shall not perish in consequence of every secret by which the watchers have destroyed, and which they have taught their offspring. All the earth has been corrupted by the effects of the teaching as of Zaziel. To him, therefore, ascribe the whole crime. To Gabriel also the Lord said, Go to the biters, to the reprobates, to the children of fornication, and destroy the children of fornication, the offspring of the watchers. From among men, bring them forth, and excite them one against the other. Let them perish by mutual slaughter, for length of days shall not be theirs. They shall all entreat thee, but their fathers shall not obtain their wishes respecting them, for they shall hope for eternal life, and that they may live, each of them five hundred years. To Michael, likewise, the Lord said, Go and denounce his crime to Samyaza, 
and to the others who are with him, who have been associated with women, that they might be polluted with all their impurity. And when all their sons shall be slain, when they shall see the perdition of their beloved, bind them for seventy generations underneath the earth, even to the day of judgment and of consummation, until the judgment, the effect of which will last forever, be completed. Then shall they be taken away into the lowest depths of the fire and torments, and in confinement shall they be shut up forever. Immediately after this shall he, together with them, burn and perish. They shall be bound until the consummation of many generations, destroy all the souls addicted to dalliance, and the offspring of the watchers, for they have tyrannized over mankind. Let every oppressor perish from the face of the earth, let every evil work be destroyed, the plant of righteousness and of rectitude appear, and its produce to become a blessing. Righteousness and rectitude shall forever be planted with delight. And then shall all the saints give thanks, and live until they have begotten a thousand children, while the whole period of their youth and their Sabbaths shall be completed in peace. In those days all the earth shall be cultivated in righteousness. It shall be wholly planted with trees and filled with benediction. Every tree of delight shall be planted in it. In it shall vines be planted, and the vine which shall be planted in it shall yield fruit to satiety. Every seed which shall be shown in it shall produce for one measure a thousand, and one measure of olives shall produce ten presses of oil. Purify the earth from all oppression, from all injustice, from all crime, from all impiety, and from all the pollution which was committed upon it. Exterminate them from the earth. Then shall all the children of men be righteous, and all nations shall pay me divine honors, and bless me, and all shall adore me. The earth shall be cleansed from all corruption, from every crime, from all punishment, and from all suffering. Neither will I again send a deluge upon it from generation to generation forever. In those days I will open the treasures of blessing which are in heaven, that I may cause them to descend upon earth, and upon all the works and labor of man, peace and equity shall associate with the sons of men all the days of the world in every generation of it. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. That is God's response to the chaos on earth. Noticed the first thing he does is send another angel, whose name I butchered, to the son of Lamech, telling him what's about to happen. Now in Genesis, we know that Lamech is the son of Methuselah, who is the son of Enoch. So in effect, Enoch's great-grandson is getting warned and told how to avoid the coming catastrophe. That great-grandson, of course, is Noah. God then orders the good angels to place the blame largely on Azaziel, Azaziel is to be bound up and cast into a great darkness in the desert and covered with sharp rocks, where he will remain until final judgment. Then he tells Michael to go tell all of this to Samyaza, Samyaza being the one whose idea it was in the first place. But this part is pretty brutal. He's going to have all of their offspring and all of the humans they corrupted wiped away in front of them and then bind them up till judgment day, where they will ultimately be cast to the lowest depths of hell. There is some missing text after that, but when it picks back up, we see Enoch traveling and telling each of the watchers about what is coming, and they all tremble in fear. After this, Enoch has a pretty incredible vision or journey sequence, similar in scope to the Apostle John's in the book of Revelations. 
though Enoch's vision seems to be more of a grand tour of creation and features a little bit of history, such as the tree of knowledge from the Garden of Eden and the exact place where the fallen angels agreed to their coming to earth. That's really it for the story portion of the book of Enoch as it relates to the pre-flood world. Now, for seemingly having so many parallels with parts of the Bible, why isn't the book of Enoch canon? Well, despite some pretty thematic parallels, and seemingly being quoted by Jude, Enoch actually deviates from Genesis and many other books in the Bible more than once. You might be tempted to say, so what? But not so fast. You have a pile of consistency on one hand, and an outlier on the other. Which one do you use to make your determination? You'd be pretty crazy to pick the outlier. One example is that in the book of Enoch, Enoch is alive when Noah is born. This contradicts the Bible in Genesis. Enoch had been gone for 69 years when Noah was born. Enoch also states that the angels can't go to heaven and appeal to God, the fallen angels that is, which actually contradicts the book of Job, where Satan and his minions move freely. And if you caught it, the angel that received the brunt of the blame for corrupting mankind, Azaziel, well, he's not even listed within Enoch as one of the angels who came to begin with. And after Enoch goes to heaven in Enoch, he actually comes back to earth for a bit, which also contradicts the Bible. There are loads of examples of these kinds of things and contradictions, inconsistencies, all scattered throughout the book of Enoch. There are also those who argue that equating sons of gods to angels is actually fake news. And it's instead possibly just referring to nothing more than the good humans starting to mingle with the bad humans, which isn't really that crazy when you consider that much of the Old Testament is about the Jews keeping themselves separate from the rest of the world. Which, if that's the case, then the entirety of Enoch doesn't hold up. The Book of Enoch is also considered pseudepigrapha. It's a work claiming to be written by Enoch that no one actually believes was written by Enoch. You could Google a whole bunch of these issues with the Book of Enoch on your own. The point is, there's just too many issues to unpack for the vast majority of Jews and Christians. But there is a small handful who do regard it as canon, some Ethiopian Jews and the Ethiopian Orthodox Church. Which really doesn't surprise me that much, because another name for this first book of Enoch is the Ethiopian Book of Enoch. But it also is believed that there was widespread awareness of the book, and some of the general ideas in Enoch are not altogether invalid. Enoch belongs to a genre of Jewish literature called apocalyptic literature. Without going into a ton of detail, or pretending to be an expert here, this puts the Book of Enoch in a category with something like the Book of Daniel or Revelations. So it's got more in common with those, the way that it's written, and what it's for, than it actually does the Book of Genesis. It deals more with visions and prophecy than events or history. There is actually a lot of apocalyptic literature in this broad category of things that we refer to as apocrypha, which is the stuff that's not in the Bible. Many of these things are actually called the apocalypse of this guy or the apocalypse of that guy. Just Google apocalyptic literature or apocrypha and a lot of these books will show up. I'll post some links on my website as well. Many people will stumble onto some of these books and recognize familiar names and themes. Like there's a gospel of Philip, a gospel of Judas. There's an apocalypse of a whole bunch of different people. There's the whole Mary Magdalene thing that got famous when the book, uh, book and movie Da Vinci Code came out. But just remember that you're not actually the first person to find this. A lot of these books aren't really hidden, and they're not secret. It's just there's not a lot of copies floating around. And the ones we do have, 
Well, again, you're not the first person to see him. They have had a lot of attention on them, and there are generally pretty good reasons why they just kind of perpetually sit on the shelf. But the ancient world has always fascinated me, and when it comes to religious topics, it fascinates me even more. Increasingly, I'm tempted to think that there was more going on than what we know today. It just seems like every time we turn the corner, there's something trying to tell us about something that came before. Now, I'm not necessarily talking about aliens or spaceships or anything like that, but I will say that I am kind of a fan of books like Graham Hancock's America Before. Make of that what you will. Anyway, be sure to check out WaitingInPodcast.com for some extra content and more detailed show notes. I plan to follow this podcast episode with a more specific blog post on the website, comparing the Enoch build-up to the Great Flood with the lead-up of the Flood in the Epic of Gilgamesh. There's actually a post already kind of like that called Flood Myths on there, but I'm going to kind of expand on that because I do feel like there's a lot of things in this book of Enoch that are pretty similar to the build-up to the Flood of Utnapishtim. So, if you like the show, be sure to subscribe. Drop me a review on iTunes or wherever it is that you listen. If you feel generous... You can also support the show by clicking on the support link in the description or going to anchor.fm slash waiting in slash support. Or you can drop me some Bitcoin at Bitbacker. And of course, follow me on minds.com where my handle is at obwade. That's at O-B-I-W-A-D-E. Or like the Waiting In Podcast Facebook page. I'm pretty active on both of those platforms and I usually post up cool news stories or science or history stories that don't tend to make the mainstream. I'm also launching another podcast called Waiting Out, where I'll take on some more current events, philosophical type issues, so keep an eye out for that. You might revisit some different parts of the Book of Enoch and the other two books of Enoch at a later time. That's it for this episode. See you next time. Music in this episode, in order of occurrence, The Complex, The Sky of Our Ancestors, The Pyre, Our Story Begins, Oppressive Gloom, Gregorian Chant, Sneaky Snitch, Jalandahar, by Kevin McLeod, and available at Incompetech.com. Licensed under Creative Commons, by Attribution Sharealike 4.0.
If you like Lore and Legends, consider supporting the show at buymeacoffee.com slash loreandlegends with a one-time gift that will cost less than a cup of coffee. You can also follow on Instagram, where my handle is at loreandlegends1, and on Twitter, at loreandlegends3. You can also subscribe to the Lore and Legends YouTube channel, which features video versions of all your favorite episodes. And of course, the official website, loreandlegends.net. Thanks for checking out Lore and Legends. See you next time. If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And MIDI can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.